Welcome to the Meditation Conversation. You are listening to Karan Alessandra. Hi and welcome everyone. Today we have a guest on the podcast. We have Rachel here with us. Rachel is a friend of mine and we know each other through a coaching program. So it's actually a very similar story to me and Cara. You know, me and Cara, we started to get to know each other through this coaching or our self-created coaching on WhatsApp. And the same way I got to know Rachel or I'm getting to know her through WhatsApp. And so she has a very interesting story. So we wanted to bring her on the podcast so she can tell her story about yoga and meditation. Wonderful. And welcome, everybody. And welcome, Rachel. Thank you for joining us. Rachel is joining us from Australia. So um, if you can just start us off by talking about your journey. And um, as Alessandra said, we know you have some interesting things to share. So let's get to it. Thanks so much for having me, guys. G'day from Australia. Um, so, yeah, as Alessandra said, we know each other through a coaching program. And um, my, yeah, my story, basically, my health story and my yoga and meditation and spirituality story really begins um, when I was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes when I was 18, so 10 years ago. Um and I had sort of been introduced to yoga and meditation before that. Like I sort of dabbled. My mum is a yoga teacher um, and I really, oh, really? enjoyed. Yeah. 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 So I did grow up with um, some Ayurvedic concepts and, um, yeah, doing a little bit of yoga here and there, but I'd never really um, connected to it deeply mm-hmm. and, I really feel like my health journey was the gateway for me to really access it on a deeper level. Um, So, yes, I was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes when I was 18 and I'd had quite a lot of health issues before, all your typical sort of signs. Um, And it just started, it really sort of started um, a really interesting relationship with myself, with my body, with my health, with my life, with people around me. Um, and I think it probably highlighted a lot of a lot of things that were already there. Um, so you say you grew up with yoga kind of as a part of your life, but was there like a moment when it shifted, you said, when you really took it on? Because I know for me and I know for Cara as well, you know, usually there's a little bit of a transition period where you're like, oh, yoga is nice, I feel good, but then... It comes a point where you're like, oh, okay, well, now this is my life. I'm going to live this lifestyle. Was that around when you were diagnosed or was it later on? Yeah, no, it wasn't really around when I was diagnosed. And I don't think there was like really a an aha moment or um, like a really pivotal moment. I think it's kind of been like a really slow burn. And I feel like it's still something that I feel like I kind of navigate in between Um like in some ways, I almost feel like I've got toes in both worlds, you know. It's like there's this part of me that knows it's it's um, 
it's like my soul really wants it, you know. I, I feel really aligned and balanced when I'm living a very, like, Ayurvedic lifestyle and a very yogic kind of lifestyle. And I'm able to integrate all those things into my life and, you know, my body is balanced um, and, you know, the, I feel quite um, aligned to those points. But then, you know, life happens and we get kind mm-hmm. of tempted or we get influenced by our environment or we slip up as humans and then things just kind of tend to build. Um, And you might still be integrating like your meditation techniques and some yoga here and there, but I think eventually things go out of balance and more and more influenced by those, um, you know, tomastic influences and we kind of fall off the, fall off the path a little bit. And um, so for me, it's, it's a, it's not like there was this one moment and I was like, yep, this is it. I've got to commit to this. I guess I have that moment over and over and over. Keep coming back to it. And you keep having those moments of like it deepening the, deepening the faith and deepening the commitment. Um, and I guess that is part of autoimmune disease as well. So type one is an autoimmune disease that, um, you know, it's, there's a lot of like metaphor there around like fighting yourself because autoimmune is about attacking yourself. Mm. Um, immune system literally attacks your own organs, your own immune system. So there's this really big sense, like in my life anyway, and in in my going inwards and my meditation about um, observing those patterns and really trying to find peace with that um, mechanism going on within within myself, within my life, within my environment, within society, within, Mm. you know, immediate communities within greater communities like I can really see that that kind of connection and that common thread so um coming back to the question yeah I think that it's just this continual kind of relationship this continual path of coming back to it and so obviously with type 1 diabetes you have to be on medication yeah and with the Ayurveda and the yoga I don't know enough about diabetes to know what kind of flexibility you have. Like, do you notice from a medicinal perspective how that lifestyle affects your um, need for for pharmaceuticals? Or is it just regardless, I have to take what I have to take? Yeah, this is an interesting one. And I feel like this could be potentially very, like, contentious. Um, <laughs> but um so yes a little bit about diabetes so yes it's an autoimmune disease um and diabetes is probably quite commonly known more so for like type 2 diabetes so there's two Mm -hmm. really common types there's even gestational which is when um people are pregnant Mm -hmm. um so it's more of just a time when people are pregnant um and so type 1 is autoimmune type 2 is metabolic um and so they're very 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 different physiologically and about 90 percent of diabetes is type 2 so about 10 percent is type 1 so it can be quite misunderstood so um, just as a little like diabetes refresher for people who might not know um yeah the immune system attacks all the beta cells in the pancreas so the pancreas produces no insulin so automatically um, immediately the uh, patient has to go on insulin. So mm-hmm. you, you can either take like four to six injections a day um, or you can wear an insulin pump. 
Um, and so I wear an insulin pump. And, and so, yeah, I have a medical device attached to me 24-7. Um, okay. So that's a pretty interesting thing to navigate in itself. Yeah, that uh, must have been a big adjustment from a lifestyle perspective. I would just yeah. like to add for the listeners, because they might not know what Ayurveda is. So, because yeah. we're starting to talk about Ayurveda and we said Tamasic, just to give an explanation. So Ayurveda is a sister science to yoga. Yoga is about our inner development, like connecting with our inner self, our spirit, our soul. And Ayurveda is the life science of life. So that's where me and Rachel are in the same program. We're becoming Ayurvedic coaches. So it's about learning how your body functions and how nature functions and aligning with that, your body with nature and to support your body and then also support your soul because it's a it's a vessel. You can't just you we have a body, we have a mind and we have a soul and we have to care for all parts. So mm-hmm. and thank you. The tamasic, so it's within Ayurveda, this is a crash course now. <laughs> You have talk about different energies and tamasic energies are those energies that are not good for us, that drains us on energy. The heavier. Yeah, unhealthy habits, I guess you can say. And then that also goes into food and and Mm. diet and yeah. And behaviors. Yes. Thank you. That's helpful. Sorry, just had to fill in for the listeners. Okay, so for Rachel with the the pump, was that quite a big adjustment for you from, you know, going from, I presume you had some symptoms before you knew you were diagnosed, so you knew something was off, and then to go from that to wearing a device, was that a big adjustment or was that not so bad? Yes, when I was diagnosed at 18, I was on injections for a year. Um, they made me wait a year before they would let me go on an insulin pump. Um, and everybody has a really, really different diagnosis story. Type 1 is quite a complex um, disease physiologically and from a management point of view and from integration in the health system. So everybody just has these really different experiences and levels of care and levels of support. So it's quite fascinating um, and disjointed from that point of view. For myself, um, you know, I, when I look back, I think I was just so in survival mode because it was so abrupt. It was so um, scary at the time. Mm. Like I was quite sick um, and I did quite, did come really close to um, not to, to being missed, being diagnosed completely mm. and the risk that I would have fallen into a coma over the weekend and died was very real. Oh my goodness. So that in itself was, yeah, it was, I had a really dramatic diagnosis story, but that's probably another podcast in itself. (laughs) (laughs) There was this real element of like, I am just so happy to be alive. Like I will do whatever you tell me to do. It wasn't like Mm -hmm. I was looking at it like, oh, I miss, you know, normal, happy 18 year old girl. Yeah. And this is a convenience. Yeah. Right. It was just like, hey, you're telling me i got to do this, I will do whatever i got to do. Mm. Um, and, and also at the same time, you know, I did really push the boundaries in like, okay, yes, I will do that, but do I really have to do that? Is that really what my life is going to look like? Can I talk to some other people and 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 know if, you know, what you're t- like, 
the reality of not being able to eat fruit ever again? Is that really, like, is that really something you have to do or, um, cause I'll do it if it is, but I just really want to know from a practical point of view. Mm-hmm. So for me, so coming back to insulin pump, like for me, the insulin pump was an option that gave me the best, um, the best level of care and the best, uh, flexibility in my lifestyle for the options given this new, um, situation which I think in survival mode I just accepted and dealt with mm-hmm. um, and was finding the best solutions for that but you know I think it's 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 almost like you know 10 years later when you're able to kind of stop and create that space in your life through yoga and meditation perhaps creating that space to to take a step back and to look and to process and to take stock like you know kind of create a bit of a clearing that you that you're able to then I think for myself personally, that I've been able to, to um, really digest it on that level of mm-hmm. like, yeah. So going back to the, um, how your yoga and meditation blends in with this lifestyle change as you've gone on your journey. So you've had 10 years of of knowing and, and accepting and processing and living this life with type one diabetes. What is that? Uh, how, how has your meditation and your yoga intersected with that? And what, what do you see as a difference from when you were first diagnosed? Do you, in your journey, has there been much in that area that's helped Ask a leading question. (laughs) (laughs) There's a lot of that. Yeah, um, sorry. No, that's all right. So has there been a lot in yoga meditation that have helped me? Right, in this specific area of your life. Because, of course, you're much more than a type 1 diabetes patient. You know, I'm sure it's had other impacts, but I'm just curious with how it has intersected with that particular part, that facet of who you are? I don't know if this is going to answer the question, but this is the only answer that I really have Mm. is like for myself, yes, I am so much more than my diabetes, but I also feel like my diabetes diagnosis and then subsequently after that I had a lot of digestive issues and then, you know, dealing with things mentally, it really took a toll and I connected with a lot of anxiety um, so for me, it's, it's that my diabetes journey became a much greater health journey and I needed to find solutions that helped holistically. So yes, um, I am more than my diabetes, but for me, it's really impossible to isolate my journey and just look at it in the sense of diabetes. Like to me, mm-hmm. it is holistic. It is my mind, body, soul level. Mm-hmm. And that, um, yeah, for me, yoga, going down the yoga, yoga and meditation to get answers, to find peace, to, you know, get healing on some level, that's a very broad word, but, um, you know, that path was, I don't know if inevitable is the right word, but that's, like, really, um, that's really what helped me. Like, it's really been the common thread in dealing with, you know, very conflicting health conditions as well. Like um, sometimes what would work for my diabetes wouldn't work for 
my gut health or something that might work for my diabetes management might stress me out and aggravate mm. things mentally. So for me, um, you know, yoga, meditation, stressing less and mm-hmm. connecting with a higher purpose is something that brought me balance across all, all you know, the ma- mainly those three health conditions. But, um, yeah, helped on that mind, body, soul level and it was, yeah, really beneficial, I guess, in all of those ways. Does that kind of answer the question? <laughs> it does, yeah. And I'm curious when you talk about the fruit and I guess food in general and going back to the Ayurveda, is it true? Have you not been able to eat fruit? And are there things that you've overcome based on the teachings from what you were told when you first were diagnosed versus how you've been able to adapt over time? No. So, and again, this was just one doctor. And if Mm -hmm. you talk to like anybody else, they will have been told completely different things at diagnosis stories. Like, um, it can be quite comical and that's why I feel like there's such a big bond when you meet someone that has type one, because Mm -hmm. it's like, um, yeah, it's great, but, um, it can also be really freaking frustrating because it's a really serious disease. So it's like, what is the truth here? Um, so when I was diagnosed, I was told four big things. It was summer and I was 18 and living in like Australian summer, very hot. Uh, 18 is the legal drinking age in Australia. So I was partying a lot um, and I was eating a lot of grapes, a lot of watermelon, drinking alcohol and eating a lot of chocolate, Um, especially because one of the symptoms of type 1 diabetes is losing a lot of weight. And so I'd lost a lot of weight. I was feeling fabulous, clubbing. Um, So I was eating lots of chocolate and not gaining any weight, which is an 18-year-old's dream. Yeah. And so when I (laughs) like that was the kind of diet that I was talking to the doctors about and they basically told me that those four things I would never eat again um and that was pretty soul crushing as an 18 year old but you could sort of tell like I was throwing them these curly questions that they just didn't really know and they were just kind of the answers to and they were just like no just don't do that to be safer and that's more what I meant about boundaries it was like okay I'll do it but if this is just a convenient answer um you know, then I'm going to try and find answers outside of like the truth. So, so for me, no, that wasn't the truth. I was absolutely able to eat chocolate, um, drink alcohol and eat fruit. But I guess it, then it comes down to, you know, these different levels of health, like Alessandra was talking about before the mind, body, soul level. So on a physical level, you know, I really got to work for the first year or two. I knuckled so down. I did, I had taken a gap year off uni actually. And basically that whole year I spent um, a lot of time consulting with doctors, a lot of time weighing all my foods, researching so many different diets, meeting other people. And I really tightened my control down. So physically I, um, like from a diabetes management point of view, I was able to do all those things. Um, but then I, like, I think the stress that that was probably causing and I, you know, looking back at it now with, with more of a, um, a yogic and an Ayurvedic kind of viewpoint, I think I was probably fighting the natural state, um, of what my body needed and where my body was at. And I didn't know any better. Like, you know, I was just, um, trying, trying to find answers, um, but I think, 
so so over the years, whilst I can eat those things and have good control on my diabetes, I've not then had greater health. I've not had great health in the greater sense in terms of my gut health and my mental health and feeling ethically aligned. So for instance, I've just recently made a change to go vegetarian in September last year as part of our coaching program. Mm -hmm. Um, And I just feel so much more ethically aligned, but it has now brought a further complication with managing my diabetes because a lot of the Ayurvedic um, foods in our detox program or in a typical Ayurvedic detox program is a lot of like, you know, a kitchery with the basmati rice and dals with mung beans. And so um, the carbs in those do present a bit of a problem for myself. Mm. Um, and I'm kind of experimenting with that at the moment because going low carb was something that really, really, really worked for um, for my diabetes and my gut health and my mental health a few years ago. Um, but just ethically eating a lot of the meat and the dairy involved in that kind of a diet. I found um, just wasn't resonating with my ethics and, and yeah, that kind of yogic lifestyle. So there is, there has really, really, really been a lot of conflict and tension on my path between all of those things. Um, so, yeah, I, I hope that answers the question. But also yeah, it does. <laughs> And I just want to add, I I think it's beautiful how you share your journey, because this is so much what yoga is about. You know, you had this challenge presented in your life and, you know, you don't want to take it apart from who you are. It it is part of you now. And instead of, you know, I had something else that awakened me and helped me get on the path of using yoga and meditation as tools. And uh, we all have our things to stirs around and instead of you know trying to hide that you use that as a tool to grow and you use it as a tool to share with others because I mean there are so many others out there who must be in the same situation as you are even though I'm not diagnosed with diabetes I find this so interesting and I Mm -hmm. want to listen and I can just imagine for people who get diagnosed and it must be like you can meet a lot of anxiety, I imagine. I mean, also with the risks um, attached to it. Mm-hmm. Um, if you don't have that support, it can be really tough. And I know you are doing that now. You're growing and you're um, creating a community where you can help people in the same situation. So that's a very yogic <laughs> way of living To you know, take your challenge and turn it into something beautiful and to serve others through it. And mm-hmm. I also like what you said about, you know, because Ayurveda is so much more and yoga, you know, instead of, um, how do you say it? You were talking about the autoimmune and you were interested in like, where does it come from? Because in Ayurveda, you try to it's not just like a disease and you take a pill and then it's over. You try and look at, uh, so what is the... The root. Core, yeah, the root issue here. And you try to see what are what, what kind of thoughts do I carry that, or what kind of patterns do I have that brought this to me? And, you know, I think it's very brave and very mature, like you said. Um, and I also know because I heard you on the coaching call 
to see that oh so yeah it's a, something within me attacking me and when you become to that point that's because you're taking responsibility you're not saying like well life gave me this but you know you saw that there is a reason this happened and I just find that very mature and beautiful. I Do it agree. That way. So there's something else that has come up in in our discussions um, that I was curious about. So family patterns is something that you've worked with in your journey. And this is a new concept to me, So, and it probably is for some of our listeners as well. So can you take us through generally what family patterns are and then, you know, how it's applied to your own journey? I'd be really curious. Sure. So I don't feel qualified to talk about, like, what family patterns are, but in terms of, for me, like, with my journey of you know, like what Alice, and it kind of ties really nicely into what Alessandra, I feel like, was just talking about in terms of, okay, you, you get diagnosed with this issue or you get presented with this life challenge and it kind of pushes you onto this path of, like, further exploring it a bit deeper and really exploring it kind of at all angles you can and to the depths that you really can um, and kind of, like, yeah, exploring it and playing with that and, um so for me, that really was about really trying to take back power and control because I think being diagnosed with diabetes can be a really disempowering um, experience, like within your own body, but also within our health system the way it is at the moment. Um, and, yeah, there's so much to that. But it can be really quite disempowering. And I really didn't want to... I think that was one of the things about being diagnosed at 18 is that in some ways I was blessed that um, I already had quite a strong, fiery stance in life um, and I was quite stubborn about what, how I wanted to manage it and the standard of life that I wanted to live. Um, and so, yeah, so I, I kind of automatically was searching for answers and my path did kind of go down um, you know, needing support and building support networks when they didn't exist and reaching out to other people um, and finding answers and then stepping back when that no longer felt um, like it aligned as well. So like I was talking before, I, I do feel like there is a lot of disempowerment in um, in that space or, or stepping into taking responsibility for, I don't know, I feel like I've got to be kind of cautious here with what I say and I'm just fully speaking for myself, type one is a very, um, it's, it's, it's a really interesting, got to word this really carefully. Mm -hmm. It is a, it's a really interesting, um, community. Like I was talking before about that instant bond. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, I think because there's a lot of, a lot of misunderstanding with type one and there's a lot of emotionality behind it. It's a very consuming condition and a lot of people um, have a lot of ideas about the language that should be used around it and um, the reasons that it's caused and the way that we should all live our lives with it. So for me, I found that aspect a little bit suffocating and a little bit um, counter to this kind of exploring and this tension. It, it definitely helped um, delving into it to a certain level. 
But then I also found myself looking, exploring beyond that community. Um, And so for me, it really came back to, it wasn't, so yeah, so it started off with building support around myself within the type one community. And then it start. then it, then it became about stepping back and going a bit more inward, which is more so the yogic uh, path anyway, and going a bit inward and analysing and reflecting on my own patterns and my life. And, you know, like Alessandra was saying about, um, you know, on that coaching call and just analysing and taking responsibility for the way that we're showing up in our lives and what we might be creating um and then you know there is an element of that where you where you do kind of take stock of the patterns that you have inherited from your family and your society and um you know that's I guess part of the journey of yoga isn't it's it's getting in touch with your true self and kind of working through all those layers. So I think we all we can all sort of relate to that. Um, yeah, that that's really beautiful. So is this something that you you do consciously? Like you you sit and you work it out and you think it through, or is this through meditation or through the asana somehow, or or how's the work done? That's a good question. Oh, I think it's a bit of all of that. Like. You know, I do a lot of therapy as well. I like to talk stuff out. Uh, mm-hmm. So I think it's done, been done quite consciously in that level. I guess it was probably one of my first, um, after I got diagnosed and I was seeing my first therapist about diabetes and I was talking about things, she was the first one that reflected to me how my family patterns were impacting, um, you know, my experience and my health experience okay um Um, so that was probably the first the first time I had that awareness mm -hmm. um around that but I guess it's all kind of it's all conscious I would say because when I'm exploring it through meditation or yoga um it's pretty conscious but I do a lot of journaling like a lot of journaling okay like it's like a practical strategy of mine Mm -hmm. to deal with everything going on as well. So, um, which I guess is cathartic as well, but yeah, mm-hmm. it's just, yeah. Sometimes, you know, it's like you're meditating or you're, um, doing yoga and you're trying to be so in the moment, but you've got all these like kind of pennies dropping or like, I call them yep. epiphanies. <laughs> oh, that term so much. <laughs> everything is an epiphany. <laughs> like, right. Focus, focus. And then a part of me is like, no, but I need to write it down. And then you sort of like have this, playing can you guys relate to that yeah I think we mentioned this in the earlier podcast if it wasn't the previous one (laughs) yeah Uh, very much relate but you know when we talk about this I just want to add I um, me and Carby been mentioned this um, scientist Richard Davison who writes books and do research on meditation I think mostly all the time and I watched this interview with him and so they've done research and they know that meditating helps you see your own patterns and I can relate very much because I know we've been talking about things in our little private chat and uh, you really start to see things in your own life and as you said it's family society because we are conditioned we 
like from when we are born, we are born into a culture, a family, and everything, like our brains are like a sponge. Everything that happens around us, we take in and we model. Somehow it creates, you know, a perception. And we work from that perception. Um, but, you know, with yoga and meditation, you, you kind of stop. And it's like getting to look at yourself from the outside. And it's like, oh, hang on. Wait, is that really good for like, and it's very important here because we talked about responsibility. So it's, and I know coaches talk about this too. It's not about blaming someone else. It's not a blame game, you know, whatever our parents or our teachers, friends passed on to us or the TV, you know, it's like a, okay, disease is a strong word, but it's a pattern which everyone has and we are not conscious of it. That's why we do yoga meditation, because we want to be conscious. And then we ask ourselves, is this really good for me? I mean, because for me, the whole yoga meditation was very aligned with me becoming a mom. So it was even more important for me. It's like, oh, my God, because I saw my own patterns. I, <laughs> I had my life challenges because of things I created. And I, as I mentioned in the first episode where I talked about my journey it's like you know I could blame people around me but you know I put myself in a situation because I attracted it because of thoughts feelings I have and I had to learn something which is very much what the yoga teachings say you know you have you end up in a place and if you want to go out from that if you want to solve the problem you have to go in and change and work with yourself and not only yoga coaches no like this is psychology we attract mm -hmm. things and the only way to break those patterns that are not healthy for us is to really go within and change so mm -hmm. we attract something and choose to direct our energies in a more positive direction mm -hmm. that's beautiful i was thinking that like when you said is this good for me when you're reflecting on the patterns mm. what came up for me or one of the tensions that i felt is like you get to this point where you can sort of reflect on, okay, is this pattern good for me? But there's also a part of you that feels like, okay, if I start to confront these patterns, and this is where I think the family element comes into it, mm. if I start to confront these patterns or make these changes and create these waves, or when you start to feel like you're making these changes and you're already creating these waves, so you're living it, mm. you know, it's like, well, is, is, is the stress that's coming from that, is that good? for me too so you've kind of got this like duality of um you know yeah robbing peter to pay paul you know and that yeah, i yeah. feel like it's really that manifestation for me with my health it's like mm. it might be good for my diabetes but is it good for my gut health and like it might be good for my mental health but then other things fall out of play and i know that there's a lot of us can probably to that on a lot of different levels you don't have to have diabetes or gut health to to experience that sensation of you know change and mm. uh, yeah absolutely like yeah because <laughs> anytime you do make a change whether it's habits or you know diet or whatever you you are living within a community whether that mm. community consists of roommates or family or and people have various levels of control over 
your decisions and your comfort with your own change and your own growth. And it's not uncommon to have people in your life who resist seeing changes. You know, it's threatening to them in some way, whether they're worried that you're pulling away from them and that's being reflected in that change or that they're not going to relate to you as much anymore or, you know, that they just can't relate to you, that, that, um, that you're not making a good decision, you know, that ultimately this decision will come back to bite you and they don't want to see that happen, you know. So mm-hmm. I know that I've dealt, I've made many changes throughout my life too where I've felt like, Ooh, you know, within me, it feels like the right thing, but I know that there's another layer to it of dealing with it within my various communities and what it means for other people. Mm, definitely. I just wanted to also, um, which I don't feel like I properly spoke about, that kind of relates to what we were just talking about or when, Alessandra, you were talking about viewing your patterns. Um for myself, but also I feel like within like diabetes as a disease, that there's a lot of like guilt there, or there can be a lot of guilt. I think when you start to recognize those patterns and you kind of understand, it's like, all right, well, if I'm if I'm operating in this um, paradigm, if I'm you know creating these thought patterns, then like, and you can you sort of start to realize what you if when you start to take responsibility um, or step into that space, there can be a lot of guilt. And I think navigating that can be quite challenging and overwhelming. Um, And again, that's why I'm so passionate about there being the support there um, and building that because I definitely didn't, didn't experience that myself. Um, So yeah, that was something I kind of wanted to touch on. And I, um, don't know if you, either of you guys can relate to that from your own meditation experiences. I I definitely, it resonates with me what you're talking about, but it also makes me think of um, something I may have talked about in this podcast before, I can't remember, but I listened to Richard Rohr, who's a Franciscan friar, and he was on a different podcast, and he was talking about how various people, uh, you know, we're all in our different levels of development. And sometimes you can see what somebody's doing and you feel so so much frustration because you're beyond what they're doing. Like you've come through it already and you're like, why are you behaving this way? You know, but his point was everybody has to go through all the stages and it depends on what your view is on you know, from a very existential perspective, but it can take many lifetimes, according to some traditions, to work through all the various stages that a soul goes through. And so the point was just having that compassion when you see somebody who you're thinking, oh my goodness, you know, how can you be behaving this way? But it you can internalize that as well as compassion within yourself of there are, I, I'm going to start at one point and I'm going to end at a different point and I can't get to the end without going through the different phases. And that helps me to be compassionate within myself. 
and understanding that I'm I'm not at the end. I've got to get through some stuff before I can get there. And you have to honor that. Uh, I want to say that I feel like responsibility is a big word here today that, you know, which is so much about yoga meditation, mm-hmm. that whatever we see that triggers us, it's not about pointing fingers. It's about coming back, you know, okay. Because as you said, you know, when we start to change, that creates tension. And I think anyone who's done some kind of personal development, you know, it creates tension with your loved ones because you are changing. And, you know, either are they going to change with you or like, I mean, I don't know. For somehow we started to fear change in society, which is strange because like Paramahansa Yogananda said, the life is constant change like Mm -hmm. that's what life is everything changes so the more we can start to go with that and if we don't try and resist it it becomes easier and um i also think it's easier um when we become more relaxed and in our own journey and can help people understand why we are doing the journey I just see my own life recently I've been doing some workshops and my family have been attending and I see that it seems like they understand me better now because mm-hmm. some things I I kept it secret and maybe they were wondering like who is she becoming what is she doing and now mm-hmm. I think they much more understand what I'm doing and why I'm doing I, I want to be the best mother I can be for Iris and that's one of my goals and you know or be a better daughter as well Mm-hmm. I'm not perfect all the days. <laughs> Sometimes <Yeah. laughs> I screw up, but that's beautiful. Yeah. I really loved how you were talking about that journey, and I just wanted to clarify if you meant like um, that it's about like having compassion through that guilt, or if like going through that guilt is the is the journey to then arrive at the compassion. Well. I think it's bringing compassion to throughout your journey and re- recognizing yeah. that through that growth, you, you're going to have growing pains and you're going to look back at things that you've done. So I guess it's, it's a little bit of both because you sometimes you, you have to go through something and then get to the end and um, say okay, I, I, uh, I'm not very proud of how I went through that. <laughs> but um, so I guess it depends where you are. Because, for example, wherever I am in my journey, I know that in X amount of years I'm going to look back and I'm going to be like, oh, my goodness, look at all the things that I didn't know then, <laughs> you know, <laughs> because I'm still learning and I will continue to still learn and I'll be making mistakes along the way. So... Um, I think it's both. I think it's a yes and. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that makes sense too. Yeah. Good. Well, anything that we've left out that you want to share before we close? No, I think that's that's everything. That's everything that. Um, yeah, I didn't really have much of a an agenda. Um, the agenda, yeah, I was going to say that's yeah. what I, exactly what I was thinking of. Um, but, yeah, I just wanted to show up and share my story. And um, I love the work that you guys are doing. And I'm really honored that you've asked me to be on. And oh, I hope that you. the 
story was relevant to your listeners and I think it will be it's very very interesting and you do model such a mature um, way to handle not just only you know dealing with an illness but really life because your type 1 diabetes is kind of just the representation of a big challenge and we all get those big challenges in our lives and things that have to be overcome they come in different forms and one of them is type 2 diabetes type 1 excuse me diabetes and um did i say <laughs> did i say that twice type 2 <laughs> no no that was the first time i think oh, okay. I <laughs> i'm pretty sure i hope i would <laughs> but yeah. so for you that shows up as diabetes and uh for us for each individual it's something different but what you've said is really relevant and I think um it's inspiring too because if you can see something like diabetes which does seem to be something that just kind of happens to you. I mean, it'd be very easy to just accept this is something that happens to you, not something that you have control over or take responsibility for. Um, So it would be very easy to slip into that and to consciously make that choice to resist that and say, no, where, what do I have to learn from this is really beautiful and inspiring. So thank you so much for sharing that with us. Thank you so much, Cara. And I think that that is, and Alessandra, I think that's a that's that's a really beautiful way to summarize it. And I think that's a great note to leave it on because, in some ways, I feel like you've summarized it like exactly what I'm sort of trying to get at, or what I'm grappling with at the moment, and why. Like I, I did start off doing a lot of work in the diabetes community. And I really stood back from that because to me it felt so much bigger than diabetes or diabetes was just like, it was just the way that the issue presented itself, you know, mm. it it really, and that's why for me it has become greater than that. It's become about yoga and meditation and spirituality because to me, I really like how you said there that the diabetes just represented, and my health challenges as well, mm-hmm. they represented big challenge and we all navigate big challenges right we can all relate to that there's like this common thread there's this common um you know we can there's this uh common understanding that we can have this common ground we can stand on and that's really what I'm passionate about using my health challenges for is that it's it's like a conduit towards a better life it's a it's a doorway into spirituality it's like a gateway and a portal and a pathway to finding better ways. Um, and I think, yeah, if we look at it that way, if we look at those challenges, for example, diabetes, then we can find better ways to connect on a greater level, like as humanity and um, as people and on a social level and create changes that, yeah, but it starts within ourselves, right? And that mm-hmm. is, that's the cliche, but there's so much truth to it. Oh, that's so beautiful. Thank you so much, Rachel. And thank you, everybody, for listening, and we hope you'll join us next time on the Meditation Conversation. 